Well, good morning. Um, I know you were expecting Pastor Paul today, and so was I. Um, but uh, please pray for he and Miss Cecilia. Both of them are, are COVID positive this weekend and are fighting the symptoms of that. So just pray for them as they, um, they're restored this weekend and, uh, and back quickly as they can be. So but we're going to uh, power through and, and continue on with... Um, uh, the notes that he had planned, and so it's kind of been like uh, uh, Jed said this morning, it's kind of like reverse engineering. So I've had the notes and, and or the answers to the blanks, and now i just got to figure out what if he was going to get that answer. No, it has been interesting, uh, a different way to really study, but I have tried to uh, put some time into it yesterday to really think about this passage and see um, what I hope God wants to show us this morning. Um, I know that for the last couple of weeks, we've, we've still continued on through Acts as he has been gone and been in Israel, and um, we've seen some miraculous things happen. I know last week when you, if you were here and, and were here when Zach preached and uh, talked about the miracles uh, that Peter did, and then all of a sudden these visions that happen, and so uh, we're wrapping up this whole uh, story here of the gospel coming to us, and so I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss the, the, the importance, the significance of this passage of Scripture in Acts. We should return to this as the Gentiles often and be thankful uh, that God didn't have a limited scope towards who He wanted to save. That He is a God that is for everyone. A God that is interested in everyone and wants all of us to be able to give Him glory. And so I don't want you to miss that today, that that is the point of this Scripture, is that we are a part of God's family because He has offered us this grace. Uh, and it came through this story that we're going to read, through the application of Peter and his visions and what happened with Cornelius. So, so that's where we are today. And so let's, let's pray as we begin. And uh, we'll, we'll look at this text and, and see how God has blessed us so uh, with His gospel for the Gentiles. So let's pray together. Father, we come to You this morning. Once again, we've heard Your Word read. We've responded in, in song. We've, we've seen the life of a, of a missionary who is giving his all, his family's all to you every day in Guatemala. And we know the blessings that you're doing there, the things that you are accomplishing, how your, your message is going forth. And God, we thank you that you've allowed us to participate in that ministry, participate in that mission's work. But now, God, we turn to Your Word once again to open it, to be changed by it. For Your Spirit to touch us and to um, help us get a glimpse of Your glory. Understand Your grace in a way that will move us to worship. Move us to service. Just move us. God, sometimes we get complacent. We get... Um, kind of happy where we are with the state of life. And Lord, I pray that You move us from that. That we won't be satisfied with the things of this world, but instead we'll seek Christ and the satisfaction we can find only in Your Son. God, use Your Word today. Speak to us through it. We love You and we, we thank You for it. Thank You for revealing Yourself to us in it. In Jesus' name, Amen. So if you would, open your, your Bibles and uh, take out the notes. And uh, we will we'll begin here in Acts chapter 10.
starting in uh, verse 34, which is actually the last two verses that Zach covered last week is where I want to begin today. Um, the Bible says, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. You'll notice that the first half of your outline that you have today is really a, it's a, it's a, um, a review of some sort of what you've had the last couple of weeks. But I hope you won't take that and, and just kind of put it away and wait until we get to the new stuff. Instead, I hope you uh, will listen and, and hear what God wants to say through, through the stories here and through Peter's life. And so as we begin this, we see that Peter has made a, a statement that is beyond what anything has ever has been said before or something towards the Gentiles in this way that God, listen to this, he says, God shows no partiality. God has not just chosen a people, His Israel, the people out of Jacob. He has not just chosen them and shown them His favor. Instead, He has now opened it to all of us, which was God's plan in the beginning, was for the world to see Him on display in the people of Israel and to respond in a way. And then once Jesus came, that they will respond and see that Jesus is the answer to the problem that we all face, which is our sin and our unrighteousness before God. That Jesus is the answer for anyone who will turn to Him, that He, that person, can be saved. And that's the message now that Peter says in these verses, in verse 34 and 35. So what is, what is Peter... How did we get here? What's the context of this? And actually, I'm going to let Peter tell us what the context is. And this is kind of the review from last week. So, but it's actually, again, spoken of uh, in our passage today, starting in verse 4 of chapter 11. So just move over there real fast, and let's look at Peter's response, or Peter's summary of where we are. How did we get to this point where Peter makes this statement, this bold statement of the, the impartiality of God? Chapter 11, verse 4 starts this way, But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord. For nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean did not call common. This happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He would declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So this is the context that we're in. This is where we're up to at this point in this, in the, in this story, this narrative that we have here in Acts, is Peter getting this vision of a, of a sheet coming down to him, and now what do we do with this? In fact, you see in your notes... The three things to mention, there's two visions, right? There's a vision that Cornelius has of an angel that comes to him and tells him to go get Peter. And then there's Peter's vision of the sheet coming down with all kinds of animals in it that he would consider unclean. And somehow it's saying, God is telling him, no, these are, these are clean because I made them. What I say is clean is clean. 
And so Peter's trying to figure out what is these visions, and at the same moment, the other vision has caused men to come to Peter and invite him to Caesarea. So there's an invitation. It's offered to Peter, and Peter accepts it. Peter normally would not go with these Gentiles. He would not go and be housed with them. He would not be on a trip with them. But his eyes have been opened. He's applying this vision and seeing that this is from the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is telling him to go with these men to Caesarea. And so he accepts their offer. And then we see here now we have a plan, a time for the gospel to be given. And we have one of these situations where Peter now has had the tee, the ball put on the tee and he is about to try to swing and, and hit it out of the park and give here the gospel presentation. Um, I mentioned in the life group this morning as we talked about these, the, the verses leading up to this that, that the same kind of thing happened back in, in Acts in the first part of Acts at Pentecost where Peter was given this ultimate opportunity to balls on the tee, what do we do with all these people speaking different languages? And he nailed it out of the park, 3,000 people came to the Lord. So here he is, another opportunity put right there. Don't you wish it was like that for you? That it's just like people come to you and say, what must I be, do to be saved? I, I haven't had that happen where it's that clear most of the time. But for Peter here in these instances, it is just like, just give it to him, man. You got it. And so how does Peter do that? That's what our passage is today. What does he do with it? So um, look in thir verse 35 and following, and we hear what Peter says. So verse 36, As for the, war the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with the power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So there's Peter's gospel presentation. There's Peter sensing these people. Cornelius has asked him to give him the message. The angel said, go get him. They went and got him. Peter's there now. And so it's Cornelius says, we're here, we're ready, give us the message. And this is the gospel presentation that Peter gives. And so um, I want us to look at a couple of things in these verses. The first thing there is this, um, that God's heart is always open to those who hunger for Him. God's heart is open. We have to look at Cornelius and see that he was already in some way seeking God. He may have not known the God he was supposed to be seeking. He may not, he kind of understood it from his belief in some of the Jewish traditions, some of the, the they had the, this God that he feared, but they didn't know what to do with that. But God responds to him. God responds to him. And I think we have to be having our eyes open to those around us who maybe are in a way seeking something beyond themselves. You know, God gave us this, this hole inside of us that seeks him, that wants to be wants to find Him. But in a lot of ways, our sin will cover that and will blind us. And we'll seek after all kinds of things trying to find the thing that would only satisfy us, which is Christ. 
And so we should be looking around and find those things that people are instead being led by and, and instead insert the gospel into it. Insert Jesus into that hole in their life that they're seeking with all kinds of sin and different ways of trying to fill this, this part of them that is not there because we lack God in our life as, as unbelievers. And so we should be doing the same thing that here we see Cornelius, is, is, that Peter does for him as he sees that he is seeking God. Um, the second thing is that, that we see here is that there's a message of good news that's given. Peter doesn't start back in the beginning with the, the story like he did in, in, at Pentecost. He doesn't start back and give them all the history of the Jews and all the stuff that he did then all the way up. Instead, he just goes straight to what is the good news, the gospel. And he gives them the good news based on this is what was given to Israel. Once again, think about that. Peter is doing this, still maybe not understanding, not getting exactly how God is going to use this towards this Gentile. I'm not sure he even understood that this was going to happen if we think about it. I mean, we see it from behind. We can see that what's going to happen, but Peter doesn't. Peter's just been told to go and give this message, and so he gives it even, even as he says it here, he says that this is the message, the good news to the Jews. So he's even, even categorizing it back to this is something the Jews have, even as he's trying to understand the vision that he had that God was opening this message to the world. But it's good news, and it's good news for us. So as we look at this gospel presentation, um, and I hope you've already done this in your life group today because you looked at these same verses, took the, the main essential parts of the gospel that we can see that Peter uses here. So I'm just going to review this real fast, and then we'll, we'll move on to the next part of the text, because like I said, hopefully in Life Group, uh, you covered this with some depth today. So um, the four gospel essentials that I think that we should see in this, as we look at verses 38 and following, is the first one is that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. If you think back to our study of Mark, you think back a few a year or so ago when we were in the book of Mark in the very beginning of it, Jesus started his gospel with the same message, right? He took out scripture, he read scripture about the Messiah, and he said, This day, I am fulfilling that. I am the anointed one. And so Peter mentions that same thing that we have to, in our gospel presentation, we have to tell people who Jesus is. Jesus is not a prophet, Jesus is not just. Um, a man who lived a good life. No, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the coming Messiah. He is on earth as the Messiah, as God's Son. We have to have that as part of our gospel presentation. The second essential that I think Peter mentions here is in the second part of verse 38. He says, he went, talking about Jesus, He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Why, why is that important? That he talks about the life of Jesus. What about Jesus' life is so important in our understanding of the gospel? It's His perfection, right? It's His goodness. It's His ability. It's His fulfillment of how we could live a perfect life perfectly in the will of God. We never could do that. We don't do that. But because we are then covered by the blood of Christ, we get to stand before God one day as if we have lived the perfect life that Jesus lived. So the life of Jesus is important in our gospel presentation that we say that He lived a perfect life, that He had no sin. So He didn't die for Himself. He died for us. He was our substitute because we needed 
We needed it because we couldn't do it on our own and none of us have done it. We're all in our sin. The second essential here, verse 39. Jesus died on the cross taking our curse on Himself. Hopefully you looked at this in life group today, how, how that, that wording that, that Peter uses, that He died on a tree, meant more than just on a tree. It's not just a way that He said that. But this is about the curse that you find in the Old Testament that we read about in Hebrews, about how the curse is anyone who dies on a tree, how Jesus took our curse, what we deserve. Once again, this is that substitutionary atonement that Jesus did for us. That part needs to be in our gospel presentation. That's what Peter talks about here, that Jesus is taking our place, our curse, what we need. And then the last thing, the fourth gospel central I see here is that God raised Jesus from the dead. The resurrection what we celebrate at Easter, we celebrate every Sunday when we come together. The reason we're here on Sunday morning is because of the resurrection. It happened on Sunday morning. We celebrate that, so that is a part of our gospel presentation. We don't stop at the crucifixion. We don't stop at Jesus dying for our sins. No, we talk about how God raised Him from the dead, how His death was approved by God to take away our sins. So now we can have everlasting life. So those four essentials, I see in Peter's message to Cornelius. And obviously we know it's enough because we see what happens next in the life of Cornelius and his family. Um, the next thing that I see in this verse before we move on to the, the, um, the part here of, of verse 48, 44 is that Peter mentions the eyewitnesses once again. The eyewitness accounts. This is important, I think, because we... We know from Scripture, we have Scripture written for us, so we read the story of Jesus. But in his time, in Peter's time, the eyewitnesses were key. The only way they had it of what happened to Jesus was based on those eyewitnesses' reports. But I want you to re realize what those eyewitnesses do. You think about an eyewitness in a court situation today, a witness tells what they saw. An eyewitness is not an eyewitness if they're not testifying to what has happened. And so what does Peter say? He says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God. So Jesus wanted his disciples, his apostles to be eyewitnesses, not just witnesses and they saw it, but no, they wanted them to be the witnesses that told and commanded and shared the gospel. And so that's for us as well. We have to be eyewitnesses to what's happened in our life, that God has changed us, that we were sinners, that we were dead, that only through the grace of God we are alive in Christ. We've got to tell that message and keep being those who testify to the gospel, to the grace of God. And then the last thing I see there is a universal offer. This is in verse 43. Everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Peter is making the statement, he is pushing it out there finally to Cornelius and his family that they too can be saved. They too can, can receive forgiveness. This is moving it past the Jews to the Gentiles. And this message is one that we still hopefully share with all those around us, no matter who they are, no matter what they have, no matter what they've done, all of us, if we call on the name of the Lord, we can be saved. And so this message is universal. So I'll read that last verse again, Acts 10, 43. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. 
So Peter gives the message to Cornelius and his family and friends, and now we see that God shows up in a miraculous way that's really going to solidify the fact that this message is for everyone. Because we don't see a confession here. The next thing we see is, as Dave read earlier, is as soon as, as Peter is still giving this message, the Holy Spirit falls. The conversion happens in these Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit just like the Jews had received it at Pentecost. Just like the Samaritans had received it when Philip preached it in Samaria. They receive it by the Holy Spirit comes to them. And the Holy Spirit is now occupying and indwelling them. What do we see in this? What are the great effects that we see from this faith that they have? First thing here is something that we, we've seen once again in Pentecost. The same thing happens. We see, see the gift of tongues given. And your blank there says, tongues were a visible proof that the Holy Spirit had come to the Gentiles just as it had at Pentecost. So tongues were a visible proof that the Holy Spirit had come to the Gentiles just as it had done at Pentecost. So this is a miracle. This is something that those six men with Peter saw that was without a doubt, undeniable, the idea that now these Gentiles were brothers and sisters of theirs. That they now had the Spirit. They had received it in the same way that they had received it that the Jews had at Pentecost. So this is God once again making sure that His message is clear. This gospel is not just for the Jews. The same gospel that has been given now that Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament Scripture and now is calling people to Himself through His death on the cross and God raising Him from the dead is now offered to these Gentiles and they receive it and it is displayed in them the same way that is displayed at Pentecost to the Jews. The second thing there is that um, is about, I want to think about those six guys or guys and girls. It doesn't tell us. It just says Jewish. I think it just says Jewish believers. Is that right? Yeah, number, verse 40, 45. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. They were amazed. So these are the Jew, Jewish Christians, the ones who are, have come with Peter on this trip, who are now the eyewitnesses of what has happened here in this second falling of the Holy Spirit and, the, and tongues coming, or coming out of the new believers, the, the, the Gentiles. What happens to them? The saving faith is a work of the Spirit of God who indwells all who believe. Let me, let me unpack that a little bit. So the logic of the Jewish Christians is this. If, if the Holy Spirit has come to the Gentiles, then they too can be a part of God's kingdom. If the Holy Spirit is going to fall on them in the same way, then they too are being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, which means they are now believers and a part of God's family. Because remember, the gift of the Spirit, the Spirit is a gift of assurance for us about our, our faith. It's a gift of us that, that uh, stamps on us, that gives us the stamp of approval, the stamp of continuity. I can't even say the word. Continuality? Is that a word? I don't know. That's a Paul word. Continuality? That it is continuous as our faith is not ending because the Holy Spirit is with us. It's our perseverance. And if they are given the same perseverance through the Holy Spirit, then they are believers because He has indwelt them the same.
And then one other thing I want to mention about these verses as we, as we speak of them is, is what Zach mentioned last week. Zach started his message talking about the differences in our world and how everybody's looking for peace and how peace should give us, uh, we should want peace, but we can't have peace because we can't have unity. The unity only comes with a oneness. And so this unity is now showing up in the church. This unity is now showing up because the oneness that is there is caused by the same Spirit that is dropped on the Jews, is now dropped on the Gentiles. And so that oneness, that Spirit that's inside of us, that allows us to be a fellowship, that allows us to be in one accord, to be doing the same things in the work of the Spirit, is because of God's Spirit that's in each of us. And so now we see unity in the church. It's a unified church. Unified in a way that has never been before, a way that takes over from anything of demographics or anything of, of similarities or things that people like. No, this is a unity that comes from what indwells us. It's the Holy Spirit. That's where our unity comes from. So, most of that was in review. Now, we'll look at the new part of our text today. Starting in verse 18. Acts eleven eighteen says, When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Um, I want us to, to back up. I'm sorry. I want us to read, starting in verse 15. Got ahead of myself. Verse 15 says, As I began to speak, this is the part that we looked at earlier, as I, or after the part that we looked at earlier. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? If you got a pen, circle that phrase if you want to in your Bibles. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. I got to give us some more context here. That's why I kind of paused. I was like, I haven't, I haven't mentioned this. We're, we moved too fast. So the message has gone out. And now we've got Cornelius and his family. Has, the Spirit has fallen on them. They've spoken in tongues. Now uh, Peter actually uh, has them be baptized. He says, what's stopping them to being baptized? And then the message starts to spread. Because like I said, this is a momentous occasion. This is something that's never happened before. And so like anything that happens like that, there is a rumor mill that starts. There's more than just rumors. There's a, a, a flash fire of information going out that what Peter has done here. Is this right? Is this wrong? You can just imagine the questions that are coming to all the believers who are Jews who have been told their whole life about their special nature of being a Jew, 
about how they are God's family and how now Jesus, who was a Jew, has, has been their Messiah. Remember, He was their Messiah. And so all of this that, that points to the nationalistic idea of the Jews being God's chosen people now is being broadened to include those who aren't Jews. And so this message is going out and all of a sudden, Peter has to answer for this. And so this is what we see happening in, in the first part of Acts uh, chapter 11. It says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began and explained it to them in order. And then what I read about the story itself of what happened. So what we have here is people coming to Peter back in Jerusalem and saying, What are you doing? Why did you, why did you break our tradition and go and do this with the Gentiles? What is giving you? Remember, they haven't had the vision that Peter has. And so they're trying to understand his thought pattern, what he's done here, and how he is, um, has, and what's the point of it? Why has he opened this up to the Gentiles? Peter then gives his, his, his uh, summary, which we read at the beginning, of what has happened. And then that's when he says this. He says, you know, who is I that I could stand in God's way? Who is I that I could say what God was going to do and what God wasn't going to do based on my thoughts, instead letting God be what God wanted to be? And I think that's a point that we need to make sure as we think about our faith and think about our, our service to God, as we think about how we think about God, all of those things need to be capped with some humility on our part, right? We need to always have that mindset of thinking, who am I to tell God how God is going to be? Who am I to limit God in a way that it only fits what I know of God? Because I've heard it said, if we can, if we can fit God in a box of who God is, He stops being God. We can't know all of God. God is bigger than us. God's purposes are bigger than we can even imagine and so we have got to have the openness of our mind and the humility of our heart to realize that we don't know it all. Sometimes that's hard for us because we always think we're right, right? Are you always right? In your mind you are, to begin with. And so for us to then be able to be like Peter, remember who Peter is. This is a guy who was, who was definitely one who would speak his mind and thought he was right and would even try to put Jesus in his place at times. This is Peter now saying, who am I to say what God can do towards the Gentiles? And his message is so good that I listen to the response of this circumcision party, the folks who thought they knew it all, who were coming to fix Peter, what is their response? Silence. So his message is so clear. He has so many good steps to give them, so many good uh, reasons for why he did what he did and how he did it that they have no response. Well, they have a response. They're silent, and their response is instead to glorify God, which is God's point in the beginning. Why does He allow us? Why does He call us to Himself? Why do we become believers so He can receive the glory? So here it is happening in front of us. Why did the Gentiles receive salvation? They received it so that God could receive the glory, and He gets it from the circumcision party right here. They glorify God because of this message that's gone out. So four keys to this final verse, and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up. Four keys. Number one, cultural, social, and racial barriers were destroyed by this message. 
everything that was keeping people from being able to see and hear and respond to the gospel when it comes to our world has now been removed. We've seen God remove piece after piece after piece throughout the book of Acts until now there is nothing left that keeps the whole world from hearing and from calling Jesus Lord. There's nothing left. There's no impediment to the gospel left when it comes to barriers. The second key I see here is Acts 1.8. is being fulfilled finally. We've heard Paul mention in sermons about how in this whole process we saw in, in the the um, persecution in Jerusalem was to push them out, to keep moving them out. Why were they being told to move out? It was to accomplish what Jesus had told them they were going to accomplish way back when in Acts 1.8. And I thought about this yesterday. Acts 1.8, you know, can you imagine a Jewish mindset on Acts 1.8 when it was given? Just turn over there to Acts 1.8 for just a second. Here's Jesus' words to the apostles and the disciples. We'll start in verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When did that happen? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Take that from a Jewish mindset. What did they hear when Jesus said that? I think maybe they heard, you will be my witnesses to other Jews. They didn't have the mindset or the understanding what Jesus was saying in there. They missed it. That's why they stayed in Jerusalem. That's why then they go a little bit further out of Judea. They're hitting the areas that Jesus told them to go to, but they're still not hitting the people that God told them to go to. Do you see the difference there? They are seeing it from a Jewish mindset that this, this gospel plan is still for them based on their Messiah, who Jesus is. They hadn't broadened their horizons to see that God sent the Messiah for us, for all of us. And that's what's happening in this passage in Acts. It's becoming now, this Acts 1-8 is being fulfilled in a way that they never thought possible. That it's not just for Jews that had been scattered here, scattered there. It's not for just the people that God called through Jacob. Instead, it's for those who live there who will respond to Him no matter who they are, no matter their background, no matter their, their uh, ethnicity. It doesn't matter. It's for all of those who will respond to Him. That's what Peter has now opened up the floodgates to. It's to us. It is now about to the ends of the earth means everyone, every tribe, every nation that we read about in, in Revelation coming before the throne. This is where it begins to be seen in the right way and the fulfillment of it is through this message that Peter gives. Another point from this verse, we see that the sovereignty of God in salvation is affirmed. That this is God's plan. That God from the very beginning, do you see the beauty of God and His planning and putting these people in the places they're in? And you have Cornelius who is a centurion who is definitely not someone the Jews would look up to. And he, he is the one that God has chosen to now send for Peter and Peter to go. And Peter has to have this vision happen so he's ready. And so he's prepared to then go back. And now he's in front of this centurion who is ready to hear the gospel because he has had this vision of an angel. All this has been orchestrated by God. Now what does that mean for us in our gospel? 
We don't see the orchestrations behind the scene that God is doing in the lives of people all around us all the time to get them ready to hear the gospel. Are you willing? Are you ready? Are you ready to be Peter and say and speak and declare the message of truth that God has been orchestrating in all these people's lives all around you all the time? God's work is constant around us. Don't miss it. Don't miss the beauty that God's sovereignty gives us of seeing Him constantly working where people are ready and their hearts are open and they are all the things have happened in their life to get them ready to hear the gospel message. God's sovereignty and salvation gives us, should give us power. It should get us fired up. It should make us ready to share, knowing just to be able to see what God has been doing behind the scenes after it happens. I hope you've had those stories where people have brought to you and said, yeah, you won't believe what happened to me before you came. You won't believe what the things that God has done in my life that has been points where I could see Him working over and over before I believed, and now here all of a sudden the light bulb comes on. Be a part of that. Don't miss those opportunities to share in that way. And the last thing is, God is glorified for His grace. This message tells us that they fell silent and they glorified God. He alone received the glory. He alone received the praise and the honor due because He alone saves. He is responsible for Cornelius and his family coming to Him. He is responsible for all those details and so He alone receives the glory of our salvation for the salvation of this family and these friends. So what's the application for us today? The application for us today is number one, be optimistic about the gospel. Just like I said, realize God's sovereignty allows us to know that He is going to call people to Himself. And He wants to use us. He is, he is dying to have you available to be a part of His plan and a part of His getting the gospel to the world. He wants us to be a part of Him. And so we should be, be excited about it and be optimistic that He is still working and He's still calling people to Himself in all kinds of ways. We see this in this passage. We see it in Scripture where He's used dreams. He used people's lives. He used miracles. He's used all kinds of eyewitness accounts. He's used everything to draw people to Himself. And He's not done today. There are others out there who He's drawing. Be a part of that and see God work. The second thing for today is we need to seek and seize opportunities for sharing of the gospel. What would have happened if Peter said no? We obviously don't know because he said yes. But think about it. It took a very specific vision, a specific event to get Peter to say yes to the invitation to go to Caesarea. I think about my own life at the times when I've felt a, a call to do something, I felt a, a push to make a, 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 a comment that I need to make, and I haven't done it. And the regret that makes me feel that I have missed out on being a part of God's plan of what He wants to do in that way. Don't miss those opportunities that are all around you. God is working in the people that you know today. God is working in the people that you are praying for today. Don't miss the opportunities to share the gospel message with them. And then the third thing about our giving of the gospel is that 
Just simply, we have to trust God with it. We don't know the time. We don't know the moment that the gospel is going to sink in and it's going to be clear to someone and they're going to respond. We've got to trust God with that. Just as Peter didn't realize the time, he's in the middle of, of preaching and all of a sudden it happens. You know, it's not like he said, okay, I'm about to give an invitation and when I give an invitation, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you. It was nothing like that. It's as he's speaking, it happened because it's on God's timing. Salvation is that way for each of us. It was on God's timing. So trust Him. Trust that God is going to call those who are His to Himself. We have to trust Him in that way. I hope through this message today, I hope the point has been there that the Gospel is for all. And as you think about the Gospel in that, I hope that you have responded to the Gospel. Maybe you're out there and this message is, is fresh to you. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's something that you have never responded. I pray you'll find someone after the service and, and ask them, what must you do to be saved? They would love for you to tee the ball up like that. Like Peter had for him. Um, God is still moving among us. God still wants to be used. He just wants us to be ready and willing to help in however He calls us, just as Peter was. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank You for opening the Gospel to the Gentiles. I thank You for calling me out of darkness into understanding the Gospel and the need that I had in my own life to, to accept You. To say that I couldn't do it on my own, that I was not able to stand before You because You were holy. I thank You for showing me that. God, I pray for anyone in this room today that is struggling with the, the ideas of doing it themselves, being in control, that God, they will give that up. That they'll submit their will to Yours. Repent of their sin. Repent of, of trying to be their own God and instead allow You the rightful place You have for each of us as our Lord and Savior. Thank You for an opportunity to, to put You in the right place through Jesus. God, now I pray that um, I pray we'll be bold with the Gospel. I pray we'll be actively looking around us in the lives around us of people who are seeking You and Lord, give us the words that would, would illuminate what the truth is that would display the Gospel and call them to repentance. God, thank You for salvation. We love You. We want to serve You. We want to honor You because You alone are worth our praise, our adoration, and everything we have. You have bought it. In Jesus' name, Amen.